It's a beautiful day in America. Welcome to Newsmax Daily for Wednesday, March 8th, 2023. Your inside track for all things Newsmax. 12 more days until spring for those of you that are looking forward to it here in Florida. It's already like summer. Today is International Women's Day, first celebrated on February 28th, 1909 in New York. Years later, marked with demonstrations and protests in many countries as women demanded they be given the right to vote and to hold public office. And honestly, where would any of us men be without the great women in our lives? Or even women without, you know, with mothers, sisters, grandmothers, and so forth. Wall Street is trying to bounce back a bit today from yesterday's major losses again. Can the Fed just shut up for a week was what I was thinking yesterday. And the last time Jerome Powell spoke. I know a lot of these meetings are regularly scheduled things, but when the market is so shaky and so oversensitive, they're so sensitive to everything and everything that everyone says. Wall Street has become PC now. Can we skip a week of Fed commentary? Every time Chairman Powell speaks, he just deflates the market. If you missed it yesterday, he said the central bank is prepared to raise interest rates higher and more frequently than expected, even if it means job losses. Of course, Wall Street didn't like that. The market's tanking. Dow Jones Industrial Average closed down more than 500 points. The S&P and NASDAQ sharply lower as well. Also in Washington, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy under attack by Democrats, some Republicans, and some media for releasing security camera footage of the January 6th riot at the U.S. Capitol exclusively to Fox News host Tucker Carlson, who ran some of the video showing Capitol Police escorting some protesters through the building, opening doors, including Jacob Chansley, the so-called QAnon shaman. Our Greg Kelly has more on Greg Kelly Reports. This is evidence, by the way, we don't believe his lawyer had access to. Jacob Chansley is in prison tonight, serving a three to four year federal sentence. How are they going to explain this? All right, next, the late Brian Sicknick, Capitol Hill police officer who died the day after on January 7th. Now, first, we were lied to and told MAGA rioters threw a fire extinguisher at his head. That was not true. Another lie, but a lie that helped mythologize and glorify uh, the Democrats' version of January 6th. Joe Biden even attended the memorial service for Officer Sicknick. But Officer Sicknick was alive and well on January 6th at the time when we were later told he was dying. Here is surveillance footage of Sicknick walking in the Capitol after he was supposedly murdered by the mob outside. By all appearances, Sicknick is healthy and vigorous. He's wearing a helmet, so it's hard to imagine he was killed by a head injury. Whatever happened to Brian Sicknick was very obviously not the result of violence he suffered at the entrance to the Capitol. This tape overturns the single most powerful and politically useful lie the Democrats have told us about January 6th. This tape would shatter the fraud they were perpetrating on the country because hiding the truth served their political interest. They lied about the police officer they claimed to revere. If they were willing to do that, then their dishonesty knew no limits. No limits regarding January 6th or just about anything else. It's incredible. Prince William of England even sent a letter of sympathy to the Sicknick family. That's fine, but under the false impression that Sicknick was killed by MAGA. That is a lie. 
Now, eventually, the Capitol Police admitted that Officer Sicknick died of natural causes. We'll have more on that in a little bit and how they're trying to explain and excuse their way out of this one. There is no excuse. Greg Kelly reports as weeknights at 10 o'clock Eastern. Tuesday, Public Citizen, that's a liberal activist nonprofit group, filed an ethics complaint against McCarthy for releasing the video. According to the Washington Examiner, the group is accusing McCarthy of being politically motivated and is asking the Ethics Committee to investigate McCarthy and determine if he is in violation of House rules. Meanwhile, on Capitol Hill Tuesday, McCarthy defended releasing the footage. I worked with the Capitol Police. I asked them for any clips on the way that they had concern with the security level. Only one of the clips did, and we were able to change that. And went on to say, Each person come up with their own conclusion, but I, what I just wanted to make sure is I had transparency. And he's absolutely right. Each person, you, must come up with your own conclusion on this and everything else. You cannot take one report, one news source, or one angle as the truth pretty much on everything. And going back to the complaint filed by Public Citizen, the ethics complaint, they're saying that it's a political move. How is releasing surveillance video showing actual facts, the truth, politically motivated. Speaking of which, also happening on Capitol Hill, the Committee on Oversight and Accountability continues its investigation into another possible cover-up, the origins of the COVID-19 virus. Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky, who was really the first one to push Dr. Fauci on the Wuhan lab work, you know, back during the the uh, COVID press conferences that they had every day. Uh, Rand Paul spoke with Rob Schmidt tonight. I want to get to COVID here for a second. In the wake of the Energy Department admitting that COVID likely came from a lab, the Wuhan lab, of course, a bipartisan House COVID committee has revealed a staggering amount of evidence that show that Tony Fauci and also Francis Collins pretended to be unaware of the lab leak theory as COVID hit the United States and actually worked very hard behind the scenes to destroy it. Fauci got up in front of the entire country in the first days of COVID when everybody was watching those press conferences and cited a study claiming that the virus was likely from a wet market and not from a lab. And he hid the fact that he helped to create that narrative. Why, Why do you think he would do that in the first days of the pandemic? Well, because he felt guilty about funding the, the research in China that became COVID-19. And so I think his guilt and his fear of retribution or his fear of culpability led him to perhaps the most massive cover-up in modern medical history. From the very first days, the end of January in 2020, he's exchanging emails on January 31st, 2020, emails all night long. The next day he has a video conference and in that conference, all of the virologists are telling him they think it came from the lab. And he convinces them that day. We don't know exactly how because that's been redacted. But he convinces them to change their mind and write an article for a scientific journal that then he uses to justify why this had to have come from nature. But there has been a lot of research done in the last two or three years. They, we've looked at 80,000 animals and none of them had COVID before the pandemic. Yeah. We've also looked at the origins of this and we've discovered that three workers in the Wuhan lab in November 2019 got sick with symptoms similar or suspicious for COVID. We also learned that in 2018, the Wuhan lab was asking for money from DARPA, which is part of our defense department, 
and they wanted to create a super virus that was a coronavirus with a furin cleavage site. What's a furin cleavage site? It's a peculiar thing that helps the virus invade the cell, and it just so happens to be in COVID-19. So a year before the pandemic, the Wuhan lab is asking to create a virus that in the end looked just like COVID-19. Coincidence? I think not. Again, that's Kentucky Senator Rand Paul, also a medical doctor, on Rob Schmidt tonight. You'll be interested in knowing that last month the World Health Organization quietly shelved the second phase of its investigation into the origins of COVID, citing ongoing challenges over attempts to conduct studies in China. Meanwhile, outside of Washington, we're learning more today about a trip across the southern border that ended in tragedy. This after the four Americans from South Carolina were kidnapped, supposedly by Mexican drug lords last week. Mexican police, many of whom work for the cartels anyway, and Mexico's president say the four were mistaken as gang rivals. Two of them, as you know, survived. They're back in the United States now. The other two killed John Bachman, host of John Bachman now covering this. And joining us now with more on this is the president of the National Border Patrol Council, Brandon Judd. Great to have you with us, Brandon. Good to be with you, John. Thank you. Well, two of these Americans have already been killed by the cartel. Now, this happened in a known hot zone for cartel warfare. Obviously, Americans shouldn't be traveling there. But tell us, uh, give us your assessment on what we know so far. Well, what really scares me about this is that it was in broad daylight. It was uh, within a mile of the U.S.-Mexico border, and it clearly shows that the Mexican government does not have any control whatsoever on what is what is happening um, on their own side of, uh, of the border. And when you look at the way the cartels have imp- infiltrated the Mexican government, it is very, very scary to know that U.S. citizens can be targeted right when they cross the border illegally. What, what is interesting about this is we only see this when our politics allow for it to happen. When you see the lawlessness, uh, it all starts with what is happening on the border. When you see the lawlessness on the border, when you see that our government does not react appropriately to that lawlessness, then it encourages these cartels to act in, 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 a, in a manner that's even more dangerous than what they normally act. We did not see this under President Trump, and we didn't even see it under, uh, under President Obama. We saw it a lot less under President Trump than we've ever seen it before, and we even saw the Mexican government becoming a true border security partner because of the pressure that was put on him. But when our politicians pander to open border activists, when they only care about what the West Wing activists say, um, you're going to expect this and more United States citizens are going to ultimately die. Brandon, in 2019, nine Americans, nine Mexican-Americans, they had uh, passports for both countries, I believe, were killed, uh, part of a a Mormon uh, religious group located in Mexico. But there was swift action by President Trump. And You kind of referenced that. You don't think this would be happening right now. You don't think these cartels would feel like they could do something like this if there were a different president in the Oval Office. Is that what you're telling us? No, I know they wouldn't. We've we've seen this time and time again. My 25-year career has clearly shown that any time that, that our politicians will step up to the plate and will actually hold the Mexican government accountable, they this this all stops. Remember, these cartels are embedded in the Mexican government as well. They understand what's good and bad for business. They're there to make a profit. If they believe that they can be dangerous, if they believe that they can kill United States citizens and still generate that profit, they're going to do that. If they believe that their profit is going to be cut back upon because of the 
violence. They're going to um, scale that violence back. This has happened time and time again. And the, the stronger a president is on border security, then the, the more the Mexican government actually does what it needs to do. That's Brandon Judd, president of the National Border Patrol Council. Really interesting, good stuff there. And again, I say the border and everything involved in the surge at the border or borders is the number one problem in the country. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, Ronnie D., the much-anticipated 2024 Republican presidential candidate, delivered his State of the State address in Florida on Tuesday. Parents in the state of Florida should be able to send their kids to elementary school without having an agenda jammed down their throats. Parents' rights, school choice, abortion, gun control, all topics in the State of the State address. Florida's Republican Attorney General Ashley Moody spoke with Eric Bowling on the balance. First of all, I think the, the most important thing that you, you, the governor pointed out and you point out here, it's the number one destination for Americans looking to switch states. I mean, that, that is just, you talk about growth and, and, and how you grow and how you continue. You know, you're showing a $22 billion surplus. You know, and I listen to Gavin Newsom kind of poking Governor DeSantis when his state has a $22 billion deficit and you have a $22 billion. I mean, the, the irony of 22 and 22 is just perfect for you guys. Well, thank you for pointing that out. Yes. I mean, we are sitting on the biggest surpluses we've seen in the state's history. And, you know, that's not by accident. Wait, can, know, I, can I just go, uh, uh, AG, AG, allow me just to point out to the folks, you're doing it without a state income tax. You're doing it without a state. Do you know what that means? That means people, businesses are flocking to the state. There's 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 business taxes that they're paying, and it's supporting the police and the fire, et cetera, and and and, and sales taxes. And you're doing that without a state income tax. It's just fantastic. Right. We're, we're giving our police bonuses. We're helping them buy homes. We're cutting our taxes. Tolls we've cut back. We've saved taxpayer money. We're making it tax-free to raise a kid, all supplies to raise kids, strollers, diapers, you name it, that's going to be tax-free. And, you know, it's really, it's not by accident. If you approach these issues with the understanding that less government, more opportunity should always be the lens in which you approach issues, less government, more opportunity. How do you create a free state which allows people to reach their full potential to pursue happiness? You know, that is the recipe for success. That's Florida Attorney General Ashley Moody. Eric Bowling, who lives in Florida, as do I, is host of The Balance weeknights at 8. And not to take anything away from Ronnie D, of course, but I can tell you that a lot of the tax incentives that she mentioned were initially implemented by then-Governor Rick Scott, who, of course, is now Senator Rick Scott. DeSantis, though, has expanded those a lot of those initiatives even more and has given higher pay and bonuses to police and teachers, as Ashley Moody mentioned there. All right, don't forget, if you're not already watching Newsmax TV, you can find it on most major cable systems and platforms like Roku, Amazon, Pluto, and others. If you have AT&T or another provider that doesn't carry Newsmax, be sure you call them up and demand Newsmax TV. And be sure to get the Newsmax TV app so you can watch your favorite shows anywhere, anytime. The app is free, easy to download in the App Store or Google Play.
Thank you very much for listening to Newsmax Daily. I'm Tony Marino. I'll see you right back here tomorrow. In the meantime, keep fighting the good fight. News breaks every minute, every day. You need the app, the Newsmax app. Find it free on your smartphone store. Then watch us anytime, anywhere.